Uh, you can't even watch her up about Santa. <laughs> I just didn't see that coming though. I didn't know I was such a big fan of no, Santa. No, I didn't know either. I was like, where's, what, what is she like, going on and on about here? <laughs> Bonjour à toutes et tous. Welcome to the festive season episode of Presque Parisienne. I'm your co-host, Ilara, joined by your other co-host, Kelly. Bonjour everyone, delighted to be recording. I hope you saw our story where we showed you the little cafe that we're recording in. We're very lucky to have this space in the cafe Ovieu Shadley. We came in and we asked if we could record our podcast and they took us upstairs to give us this beautiful space and we're very welcoming and have given us coffee and dessert and it's just a beautiful space. Yeah, we're super lucky. We have a lovely view of the Seine as well, right next to us. Mm looking right onto the conciergerie. I feel very fancy yeah. being here. <laughs> this is the fanciest one we've done yet, I think. I think so. Mm. And it very much matches with the topic of today. So what are we talking about today, Kelly? Well, today we are going to share with you the differences between celebrating Christmas in France and our own traditions. I want to start with Paris at Christmas time and mention how it's different from any other time of year and I think probably the biggest difference is there's more lights <laughs> so like practically every street looks like a fairyland it's so beautiful and I just love walking down the streets and looking in the shop windows um, under the lights that are also spanning across the street and oftentimes you'll see like a garland that lights up the name of the street and it will say something like Joyeux Noël de Rue Montorgueil mm -hmm. or whatever street you're looking down. Paris is undoubtedly beautiful at any time of year but oh man at Christmas it's like next level. Yeah there are many different myths about Paris being the city of lights whether it's because Paris was the first city in Europe to install oil lights in the city to illuminate the city mm. or whether it's because the during the age of enlightenment uh, during the 18th century in France enlightened the intellectual world mm. in Europe with its new philosophical mm. ideas. But without going into these uh, myths, if you visit Paris during Christmas time, you won't be disappointed. Mm. It literally becomes the city of lights with all the festive decorations. Before we go on to talk about some specific French Christmas traditions, I want to say that in doing research for this episode, I came to the conclusion that Christmas here is very much like Christmas in Scotland. Hmm. There are a lot of similar Christian traditions, even the ones that were taken from pagan traditions, which mm -hmm. in fairness is pretty much all of them. Yeah. There are some differences, but I'm going to talk about two of the most notable. The first one for me, personally, is the office Christmas party. Oh really? This is often the event on a company calendar for the year. I worked in a place that started organising it in June because wow. all of the hotels and bars and restaurants in Glasgow were booked out so far in advance once they released like, their set Christmas menus. Oh. The week leading up to Christmas in Glasgow is jam-packed full of Christmas parties. It can be drunken and wild. Christmas parties are always gossip, there's always people who get too drunk. We always dance to Slade and Wizard and it's actually always the same but it's just not done here the same way. The Christmas parties that I've attended here have been truly tame by comparison. I mean, a good time, hmm. but really tame. And there's a deep difference in drinking cultures. Yeah, I would agree so, but before that, what is Slade and Lizard? They're, they're 70s glam rock bands that do, that do very popular Christmas songs. Oh, I, I had no idea, but uh, like given the comparison you you gave about the Christmas in parties being different for uh, workplace 
So I've always worked at international companies, so the office Christmas parties always involved a mixed crowd. Uh, yes, people do drink here, some people would get a bit drunk maybe, but I think it's pretty much frowned upon if you get wasted in an office party. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a question of prof professionalism, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, but yes, drinking culture is definitely an episode we should do uh, later on, so let's leave at that. Uh, but yeah, here it's more calm, fine dining, and drinking in a, a fashionable manner with yeah. your colleagues and like networking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's not like that at home. <laughs> <laughs> Another notable difference, again, me personally, is that in France there's no Boxing Day. Oh. Um, it's also known as St Stephen's Day. And the, the origin of the name Boxing Day is still up for debate, but the tradition goes back centuries. Yeah, there's only in one region in France, because I get switched back and forth between Germany and France, mm. in Alsace there's still Boxing Day. Right, okay. Yeah, but that's the only place and mm. we're not there. <laughs> that's, that's probably why I haven't noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> so the day after Christmas was traditionally the day when servants and workers got the day off from serving their like masters and employers. Then they were offered boxes to take home to their families. This was also the tradition putting donation boxes in the church and generally seen as like a day for giving to the less fortunate. More recently in the UK, it's like a day for like sporting events. It used to be for fox hunting for the elite and the super rich, which is like gross and yeah. thankfully it's now illegal. Um, football games, the Boxing Day sales start also, and the UK retailers wanted to like import like a kind of Black Friday type of tradition to get mm -hmm. like additional revenue over the Christmas period. And when you think about the original meaning of Boxing Day and a day for rest for employees and stuff, it's ironic that now all of these retail workers are now working Boxing Day. Yeah. So for me, Boxing Day in Scotland was a time just to eat leftovers, watch TV, and also time to see my friends who'd spent Christmas Day with their families. Okay. If I'm to compare, I can't really compare France and Turkey in terms of Christmas, as in Turkey this holiday doesn't exist. Uh, however, I experienced my first Christmas when I was 16 years old as an exchange student in Rochester, upstate New York, okay. in the States. And my host family made sure that I had the full experience. And I'm so grateful for them for doing that. Uh, my overall year spent in their home during junior high was really a life-changing experience for me. Mm -hmm. I've learned so much about independence, taking care of myself, important values, for being a good hu human being and all. Mm -hmm. So I just like wanted to say, if they're listening, I still think about you to this very day and I just wanted to say thank you. Mm -hmm. Christmas is pretty huge in the States. At least that was my observation of it. I think it also hits differently when you're a child or a teenager. Uh, I remember making a huge list for Santa mm -hmm. and I know that this is also a practice in France. And actually in France, there's a number to ring uh, uh, Père Noël, Santa. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually the post office who picks up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and you can even send postcards to Père Noël and the post office actually responds to these postcards. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I couldn't find a lot of information on this, but I think majority of the Christian French uh, do tell their kids about Santa. However, I did find an article that says in Anglo-Saxon countries, kids learn that Santa doesn't exist around seven and a half years old, whereas that number is six and a half here in France. So I guess that's French realism for you. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. 
Speaking of Santa, I was an adult when I found out about the NORAD Santa tracker and I absolutely love it. Like, obviously, like, I, I don't believe in Santa, right? At least not since, like, my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually find this concept, like, like amazing. Do you know about the Santa tracker? What, what is this? It's like some logistics app or something? Mm, so, like, NORAD tracks Santa in, like, an annual Christmas-themed sort of program. Mm-hmm. So it's the North American Aerospace Defense Command. Okay? Oh, wow. Um, and they Scary s- name, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it simulates the tracking of Santa Claus, who like obviously leaves the North Pole to travel around the world on a mission <laughs> to deliver all of his presents for every child every year on Christmas Eve, right? So mm-hmm. the program actually starts on December 1st, but the actual Santa tracking simulation starts at midnight annually on December 23rd. This has been like held annually since like 1955, but obviously only recently it's been online for everyone to join. Yeah. Um, it's such a lovely thing for children like all over the world just to keep believing in Santa and I just think it's like the best use of military resources that I have ever heard. I totally agree on that one. <laughs> Maybe the only best. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, sorry, I got off topic. Let's continue with French traditions. In Geneva or Savoie, Père Chalonde, um, and this was in fact a regional version of Santa Claus before like that name conquered like the French speaking market. In France he was known as Bonhomme Noël, in Savoie as Père Chalonde, and in England he was known as Father Christmas. Oh, okay. So while Saint Nicholas is traditionally considered the saint behind Santa Claus, this kind of cosmopolitan character, if you want, <laughs> was like a blend of like many traditions, tales, legends yeah. and folklore. The idea that Santa Claus is American is partly true because this construction of the character is is in fact linked to the history of New York migrants. Hmm. He's a migrant character who's taken a bit from every country he's been to, and he's like borrowed a lot culturally. Um, the character as we know him today is a product of a triple in-depth sort of movement of Americanization, standardization, and Christianization. When I was researching for this episode, I found another père, another father, uh, Père Foutard, like the boogeyman mm-hmm. is the counterpart of San Nicola. Mm-hmm. The French represent him covered in like coal marks and dressed all in black. He like whips and spanks misbehaved children. <laughs> Just like the San Nicola rewards the good ones. Mm-hmm. I don't think Per uh, Foutard exists anymore. Uh, however, like when we were both looking at what he looks like, we've seen photos of him from Christmas parades where he's done, like impersonated by a white dude with a black face. Uh, I'm definitely gonna bring this up during the racism episode because it's really beyond me how this is still acceptable in today's France. Anyway, let's move to a lighter topic. Presents. Mm-hmm. Okay. The tradition I saw when I was in the States was leaving the presents under the Christmas tree or in socks uh, hung on the fireplace or on the wall or something. But here, apparently, kids leave their own shoes under the Christmas tree and then like uh, Santa comes overnight and places the gifts on oh, uh, in their shoes. In the shoes. So that's one difference. Uh, I think every family does it differently. But in the States, I found that people tend to get multiple presents for each other. Whereas here in France, you more li- more likely to get like one big present and that would be it. My first Christmas here that I spent with my then partner, uh, we decided that we'd buy each other the same thing. And when it came to like exchanging the gifts, I had bought like multiple, not many, but Mm -hmm. smaller gifts. 
and because that's what I would have done for any loved one and he hadn't oh. he, had, he had stuck to the plan of like one gift that's a bit awkward it was super awkward <laughs> so I realised then that it's just not the done thing here to like you know spoil someone with gifts but it was like far too late and mm. I felt so awful for making him feel bad mm-hmm. um, you know who you are and if you're listening I really apologise again for that but um, fortunately, we did go on to celebrate many lovely and non-awkward Christmases together. <laughs> I remember you also got me multiple gifts one year during Christmas, and you even got something for my kitty Neptune. <laughs> I was like super touched by that. Um, but yeah, me and my partner also had a similar misunderstanding last year. That was our first Christmas together. But it wasn't not it wasn't really about like the amount of presents. It was more about the value. Uh, he got me quite a pricey present because for him uh, Noel is important not that he's religious but traditional speaking that's just the way he's always done it Uh, whereas I just got him some sweatpants (laughs) like remember we talk about this in our workout episode I really really wanted to encourage him to dress down a little bit in our apartment so it was a a totally selfish present that's a total hint there you go there's some (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, since uh, we're talking about presents, I think here in France is not as commercialized as as it is in the States. But that's just the raw truth of capitalism, Mm -hmm. I would say. And the time for opening the presents also depends on the family. Um, My friends told me here in France, when you're younger, it's really the morning of the 25th. And in like more traditional religious families, it's always like that. Mm-hmm. But if they're not that traditional, then as you get older, you just do it on the night of the 24th after the big dinner, mm. the presents part. Okay. So I mentioned earlier that both here and in Scotland, we have a lot of Christmas traditions which are rooted in paganism. Um, and Christianity gets quite a lot of credit for them. Yeah. But... Actually, one of my favourite Christian traditions is undoubtedly the Nativity. Um, The first Nativity was in 1223 by St Francis of Assisi. He created the first living Nativity with people from his church. Mm. And villagers all played the different characters and there were some live animals in there as well. Now, if you're a parent, you might be forced to watch your kids play like bale of hay like number two or something you know because like only the luckiest of kids got to play like the principal roles like mary joseph and the wise men Uh. it's all really political in these like (laughs) schools with these kids you know but um there's just something so funny so cute and so charming about a child's nativity play the thing is though that these would never happen in schools in paris uh, nope, like it wouldn't happen here in schools in France. But before, like you said, now you said you were going to talk about nativity. I thought you were going to talk about the nativity scene with characters mm. and all. I didn't think you were going to mention a play. I didn't know it existed. <laughs> and I've never seen that in France. But yeah, I've seen those nativity scenes, which is called Crèche here. Mm. Although it puzzled me how France is a secular country, that there is this concept of laïcité. But these Christian holidays still exist. I think Christmas here is seen more like a tradition uh, than a religious practice. I mean, it's the same in Turkey. Uh, Turkey is also a laic country by law, but Muslim religious holidays still exist. Uh, Obviously, there is no Christmas in Turkey, but there's Ramadan, for example. Uh, And I think here in France, if the government was to cancel Christmas traditions and holidays, 
the riots <laughs> will go beyond and above. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the reason I thought about it is because uh, of nativity. So the crash is more of a religious practice. So you can't really even put that nativity scene in a school or a government building. Mm -hmm let alone do that theater play thing. Mm -hmm. But you can still put a Christmas tree and ha have the decorations on. I think this concept of laicity really deserves this full episode on our show and I won't be the secular killjoy for the <laughs> Christmas episode. <laughs> Uh, but thinking of like Catholic um, traditions, uh, there is the generic Catholic Midnight Mass, which also exists here, but I'm not sure it's carried out in the midnight. Mm -hmm. I've seen that in some regions they do it before the big dinner starts, so that everyone can just be at peace and enjoy their dinner without having to rush it to make it to Midnight Mass. Mm -hmm. So the, the big dinner that you're referring to <laughs> is the Réveillon, which is on the 24th of December. So the menu varies according to the region, but it's always an occasion for the family to sit down together and enjoy all of the delicious food. Mm -hmm. Christmas, like obviously time for celebration, so the French really indulge in the luxury food. The Réveillon dinner can continue for up to six hours <laughs> in some families, obviously. Eating at the table for a long time is like also a social custom in France and we touched on this in our food episode. Yeah. Let's have like a deep dive into what would be for the Noel dinner specialities. Mm. I've been waiting for this time to come since like 30 minutes. <laughs> this is my favorite part about Christmas, the food. Mm. So there's tons of food and it's really like a full on 12 course dinner, obviously depending on the family. Uh, but it could start with amuse-bouche uh, all the way up to the digestive finale. Uh, my favorite dish would be a plateau de fruits de mer, so like a seafood platter. Uh, I think I'm going to put a, a photo of it on the show notes because I, it's really impressive. Detailed, served on ice, has tons of variety of seafood from oysters to crabs, all kinds of shelled ones like prawns or bulot or bigarneau, like sea snails basically. So this platter can look very intimidating. <laughs> it includes raw or cooked seafood and it comes with multiple utensils on how to eat these things. So don't be shy about asking how to work your way through them. Uh, they also come with different sauces like aioli, which is garlic mayo, shallots and vinegar and butter uh, with bread. It's a massive feast. I'm actually vegetarian, but I sometimes cheat with seafood and my partner's family changed their menu just for me. So every year we're going to yeah. get that platter, mm -hmm. which absolutely mm. melted my heart. Like I had tears in my eyes. Mm. So that's probably why I won't shut about this platter. <laughs> if this platter is not your main dish, and honestly, if someone served me sea snails for Christmas dinner, Christmas would be completely ruined. I'm sorry. But the most <laughs> traditional dish after that for Christmas dinner is some kind of poultry with chestnuts or almonds. Mm -hmm. um, I think the main dish, unless it's this massive platter, or turkeys tends to be quite small and light. But it's that's kind of the standard in Scotland as well. Mm, okay. Uh, and yeah, that's true. Like usually there's not that big of a main dish uh, because there's so much to eat in small quantities. You may not get that big seafood platter, but there will definitely be some kind of shellfish 
or uh, smoked salmon mm. or caviar maybe mm -hmm. if you're like super fancy uh, there is this <laughs> uh, pan surprise, which is like the sandwich tower with different ingredi ingredients or pan d'épices, uh, which also goes along with the foie gras. So foie gras is a, a very big Christmas speciality here. Duck liver pâté, uh, which is extracted from force-fed ducks and is actually illegal in many countries as it's animal abuse. But the French are quite sensitive about it, so I'd avoid going into discussions around this. Been there, done that, I couldn't succeed. <laughs> and since we're on the topic, uh, obviously a traditional Christmas dinner, the options are usually not vegan or vegetarian friendly, but it's possible to modify these recipes to make them cruelty free. So that's pretty much the savory part of the dinner. And then for dessert, you're most likely to get a bûche de Noël, like a chocolate cake in the shape of a log decorated with plastic or sugared uh, Christmas objects. Uh, there would obviously be some bubbles, uh, like some kind of a crema or champagne, and maybe a digestive alcoholic beverage uh, for closure. And there is this uh, 13 desserts in some regions of France, for example, Provence, they do it. And you're under the impression you're going to get 13 different kinds of desserts, mm. which is not the case. It's just like small nuts and dry fruit. So you, you mentioned the Bouche de Noël. Mm -hmm. So in the UK, it's called a Yule Log. This one goes all the way back to paganism as well. Ah. So the Yule Log was like literally a big log, a big tree, ah. um, that was ceremonially taken indoors and it was put on an open fire and this was like before the time you had like a, a Christmas tree or some something else um, as a centerpiece of, of your Christmas celebrations. So that burned in the fire for like the full day, keeping everyone warm mm -hmm. throughout all of the festivities and whatnot. And then once it had burned down, the ashes were scattered out in the fields on the soil for um, give fertility for the coming year. Aww. I really like pagan traditions actually. Yeah, They're really too. sweet and it's all about like giving back to the nature. Exactly. So I yeah. really like that. Back to the dinner table now. <laughs> in terms of decorations, the table will usually be decorated in an extraordinary way. Uh, but one thing that is different in France, there won't be any crackers. In some Anglo-Saxon countries, there is this tradition of Christmas crackers. As I was doing the research again, I had no idea they were in inspired from papillotes. So these uh, bonbons are mm. like papillotes, are chocolate or candied fruits wrapped in shiny foil. Mm. And we found this article, which we will link in the show notes, that explains the roots of these crackers uh, come from the inventor, Tom Smith's trip to Paris in 1840, mm -hmm. where he first saw the papillotes. Uh, you can read more about it, but it's really interesting. Like, mm. they don't have it in France, mm -hmm. but actually it comes from, like, an inspired from France. That's really cool. I didn't know that. And actually, it's a real shame that there's no crackers here over dinner, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, it's just a fun way to start Christmas dinner, and then you have your little paper hat, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird for me that it doesn't happen here, <laughs> but... Well, given that I've done Christmas up to now with my international friends who are majorly from Anglo-Saxon countries, I've always had it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's nice. Good. I like it. Me too. And yeah, also after dinner, I've seen this in some families. People give each other the presents, obviously, and then they would like give each other scratch cards to see if anyone would become a billionaire overnight. <laughs> uh, sorry, a billionaire. <laughs> Not what? a millionaire. Dream big, Kelly. <laughs> 
lottery are they playing? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've seen the cards, but I haven't witnessed anyone becoming a billionaire, so <laughs> I keep dreaming. <laughs> um, but I, I also realized we didn't uh, give the pronunciation of how you say Merry Christmas in French, so it's Joyeux Noël. Mm, yeah. Okay, so shall we move on to the Christmas markets now, Kelly? Oh, yay! <laughs> Christmas market. <gasps> Churros and mulled wine. Christmas and a glass. Like, it's just simmered wine, orange peels, cinnamon, mm. cloves, allspice, star anise. Oh, and honestly, I think that mulled wine gets you more drunk than just normal wine. A hundred percent. And I personally don't like Van Chaux, uh mulled wine. Uh, it gets me quite nauseous, but it's a good drink to keep you warm in these <laughs> Christmas markets. So I only drink it when I'm in a Christmas market uh, because these markets are uh, outdoors. And aside from the hot wine, you can find pretty much like greasy fast food versions of regional specialities. So I looked into the origins of this, these markets mm -hmm. and they're actually from the German speaking part of Europe. Uh, during the late Middle Age and then spread from Germany to France, obviously due to the shared border on the northeast. And Alsace obviously is the most known region for Christmas markets in France. Mm -hmm. uh, since, like I mentioned this before, the region was swept back and forth between Germany and France and finally landed in France's territory. And Strasbourg is the most famous one. Mm -hmm. So ticket and accommodation prices in Strasbourg skyrocket during this period. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been to Strasbourg before, but I've actually never been to the market there. Have you been, Kelly? I should have, yeah. Christmas in Strasbourg is insane. It's like getting slapped in the face like over and over by Christmas. We visited some of the other smaller towns and markets around. Mm -hmm. Like another really famous one is in Colmar. Mm -hmm. um, but it was far, far too busy to like properly enjoy it. Oh. But Strasbourg is just, it's amazing. But these little towns that are just in the outskirts, mm -hmm. they inspired Disney movies like Beauty and the Beast because they look exactly like that little village that Ooh. Belle lived in. Um, and it snowed when I was there Aww. and honestly I just couldn't cope with how Christmassy it was. It was <laughs> off the charts. It m actually made me feel like Scrooge after those three ghosts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in recent years though, you and I have done a few Christmas markets. Oh, yeah. Um, we went to Rance together, uh, which was a champagne-themed Christmas. Oh, I want to go back. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> and um, also, we went to the Christmas market in Nantes. Yes, with uh, our friends. Yeah, yeah. and um, oh, it's just always such a good time to see friends and spoil ourselves and eat good food. So. Uh, yeah, and if you're listening, we're sending our love and Merry Christmas to our friend in Nantes. Yes, absolutely. I'm pretty sure she's listening. I'm sure she is. <laughs> And like when we look at the Christmas markets in Paris, I thought there were like only two, three ones. I was so wrong. I found out that this year there are more than 20. Uh, uh, really? Yeah, really. Okay. Um, I, I hope I counted right. But I'll leave the link uh, in the show notes. Some of these are open for all Christmas season and some of them are only for a day. Mm. Like. Apparently this year there's a feminist Christmas market, which I'm like very keen on visiting. Some of these Christmas markets in Paris include like a fanfare for kids, like a Ferris wheel, like the toys and stuff. And the one in Tuileries also has an ice skating area inside. Mm -hmm. The reason I love visiting these markets is really not for the food, but uh, it's the ambiance. And I actually like really love looking at the little stands for artisanal gifts. And I always walk away from these markets with like a small souvenir. Delana, do we have a quote? 
Uh, today's quote is from a Belgian poet, Josiane Kozmanza. Uh, she said, we could imagine a world with the spirit of Christmas of a lifetime. It's, it's funny, um, earlier in the episode you asked me who wizard were, uh-huh. and their famous song is, I wish it could be Christmas every day. So, <laughs> there you go. It, that definitely came from wizard first. Okay, maybe. <laughs> Before we wrap things up, we just wanted to say this period of the year can be a difficult one for some people. If you don't have such traditions like I didn't when I first came here, or if you're away from your family, it can be a bit of a rough yeah. period. Mm-hmm. We're sending you tons of love if mm-hmm. you're feeling down. You don't have to spend this period according to any customs or traditions. Honestly, try to surround yourself with love, potentially with some friends if you got any, mm-hmm. pets, or things that make you feel good about yourself, like being in your PJs and like watching movies or whatever. And yes, we just wanted to send you some love and we'll all see you next week for our New Year's Eve episode. So that's it for today. And as usual, you can find us on Instagram. If you're not there already, you can throw us a follow. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, you can send us your thoughts or feedback or anything you want or to our email address also in the show notes again we always ask this we'd love you to rate us and review us on the platform where you get your podcast it would help us so much and it is Christmas so you know you could send us a little gift yeah Yeah. that would be nice it would be be (laughs) thanks everyone have a beautiful Christmas and we'll see you for a new year's episode Joyeux Noël